It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Policies are so pathetic and have done so poorly that the left has nothing else to do but troll the internet looking for ways to get offended and then try to target members and strip them of their committees. This is a dumb waste of the House's time. But since the Speaker has designated the floor to discuss members' inappropriate actions, shall we? The Jihad Squad member from Minnesota has paid her husband, and not her brother-husband, the other one, over a million dollars in campaign funds. This member is allowed on the Foreign Affairs Committee while praising terrorists. A Democrat chairwoman incited further violence in the streets outside of a courthouse. And then the cherry on top. My colleague and three-month presidential candidate from California, who is on the Intelligence Committee, slept with Fang Fang, a Chinese spy. Let me say that again. A member of Congress who receives classified briefings was sleeping with the enemy. This is unacceptable, and this would never be... All right, Sandy Rios with you. There is a battle going on in the country, and certainly it's going on in our Congress. And it's interesting to me, I talk to you all the time about uh, the uh, my disgust, really, with most congressmen in the House and in the Senate on both sides of the aisle. Mostly, I find my disdain uh, goes to Republicans who have failed to do hardly anything. But we have a whole crop of new Republican Congress women and men in the House who are fighters. And the one you just heard then was Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. Uh, let me just say that she was just elected. She's brand new. And she was talking about the fact that Congressman Paul Gosar, also a fighter from the great state of Arizona, was censored last week for a video or meme that he posted that offended uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So he was censored, removed from his committee, and she was just demonstrating how corrupt uh the behavior of Democratic congressmen were in that body. So it was great firebrand stuff. But she would not be there if it weren't for people like my next guest. Uh, My next guest was her campaign manager. She's also the founder of uh, uh, America's Mom. And you're going to learn more about her as we discuss today because uh, many things have been happening to Sharona Bishop, uh, and she's here to talk to us about that. Good morning, Sharona. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on, Sandy. I appreciate this. Thank you. Sharona, I've seen you on camera already, and you, you're, you're really dynam- dynamite. You're smart. You've got your facts together. You're, you, you know what you're doing. So it makes me wonder, you know, what you, what you did in the past. What, you're pre- president of your sorority? What were you doing? What is your background <laughs> that uh, you have such good command of facts and all of that? I, I read. <laughs> I, I read a lot. I take that very seriously. I think once we all, um, when we have that moment in our lives where we begin to engage in policy and we really start to look around and try to figure out how we can 
help move the dial or how we can help put things back to good, you start doing those necessary steps. I ran a small business for almost 20 years now and worked with women and helped develop, um, just helping people develop their leadership skills and speaking skills and those sorts of things. So I think I've just always really um, benefited from seeing other people do really well. And um, so now here we are applying some of that stuff to policy and helping regular American parents figure out what is going on, um, both locally, statewide, and now nationally. Yeah, let's talk about some of those things. A couple of personal things, questions before we go into the, what's become public. Uh, you have mm-hmm. kids. You homeschool your kids, right? How old are they? I have four children. Uh, my oldest daughter, she's 18. She just graduated this last year. And then I have a 17-year-old son who is actually still in public school, which is um, a large reason I'm still so active in our local school district. And then I have my two younger children who are 8 and 10, and I homeschool them. We do a co-op, actually. And um, I will just say, you know, we're homeschooling because of COVID policies. We're homeschooling our youngest because they do not deserve to be at um, have uh, be abused in exchange for a publicly funded education. And so it, it's not because I had this passionate um, desire to homeschool. It's because policy, once again, has infiltrated our lives and we're forced to make decisions that will be the absolute best for our kids. Yes, and since you're talking about schools Tell us your involvement in your. Mm-hmm. This is Colorado. I don't know if I said that or not. You're you are in um, yeah. uh, in Colorado, Mesa County. Mm-hmm. So tell us about your involvement in the school board issues there. Well, I lived in Mesa County um, all my life. I I recently moved up to Garfield County just a few years ago. That's when I met Lauren, actually. Um, but I, I I my kids were in school in Mesa County for years and. Um, we, we had a really good relationship with the community. Like I said, I owned a small business and worked with women constantly. So, I, you know, we just built a lot of really great relationships there. Um, we actually, this last election, November 3rd election in Colorado, I, I just want to really elevate all of the incredible grassroots parents, community members, grandparents all across the state um, who came together to say, we're not taking this anymore. We're not going to allow our children to be indoctrinated anymore. They need to be educated. They need to be productive members of society. And it's because of that mentality and the incredible effort of grassroots people all across the state, we were able to flip nine school board districts in Colorado. Mesa <laughs> County has not had a conservative school board for 30 years. And um, it's, it's absolutely incredible. In my backyard, Garfield County, we put so much pressure on our school board. We had one member resign. And then when we were, we were able to flip uh, two additional seats, giving us the conservative majority now in my own rural backyard. Wow. So it's been quite that, a victory, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, that's, that's amazing. And kind of that's, you know, honestly, I covered that election. that We had a lot of victories, like Virginia, and we had some in other states, Connecticut, I think even. There were a lot of pockets of success of conservatives, but I did not know about Mesa County until our till our conversation until I was studying for to talk to you. So mm-hmm. you so you have that on your record. You help, you were the campaign manager for Lauren Bobert and we talked about that. We'll get we're gonna get to 2016 a little bit later because um, Tina Peters, who has been in the news a lot, she's the Mason County elections clerk, will join us in a second and we'll talk about all of that then. Uh, but um, you so you're actively involved in the school board issue and you know that's anathema now to our federal government. Mm-hmm. I don't need to tell you right. that um, the, the uh, president authorized, really, uh, the FBI to go in, uh, the attorney general did, to go in and start considering parents involved in uh, school board, supposedly threatening school board members and teachers, 
uh, we're now going to be sort of targeted as domestic terrorists. And so that brings us to what happened to you about a week ago. And so, uh, Sharona, tell us about uh, what happened. And let me just ask first, before this incident uh, about a week ago, did you, had you had any kind of signs of trouble? Did you get? Were you nervous? Were you worried? Was there any uh, pushback that made you nervous for your family or your safety? The only thing that made me nervous was the verbal mandate and the written mandate um, going after parents. Um, we live in Colorado, which has been very lawless under Governor Jared Polis. Many people in the nation think that Jared Polis is a moderate libertarian. That couldn't be further from the truth. He is a very radical left-wing progressive, and he has passed a number of Bills 11 now that are hypersexualized bills, remove parental authority over our children. Um, it's been a very difficult three years under his reign of terror in Colorado. So for that reason, along with the enforcement of Biden's regime to go after parents who are vocal about two things, election integrity and school boards, I have felt a little bit like I just needed to make sure we were being just paying attention. We actually received word about six weeks ago that our local superintendent in our school district had taken advantage of that offer and had called the FBI and reported parents to them. So once I had heard that, I, I've been a little heightened, but I can't honestly say that I really believed the FBI would show up at my house. No. Which um, is a- I thought, mm-hmm. So that's exactly what happened. So, uh, just give us like like the opening paragraph, and then let's go into the details. Yeah. What happened initially? Yeah, Tuesday morning, we were homeschooling, and I was cooking for the week, and I started hearing banging on my front door. I'm still in my pajamas because you know how it is when you homeschool. You have so much more flexibility. You don't necessarily have to get up and start you know, running around. It's pretty calm and relaxed, and um, that's the environment we want in our home. So they began banging on the door, and it did. I did think it might be neighbor kids at first. So when I peeked around the corner, um, I saw that in fact these were big black bodies at my door, and they were not children. Um, at that point, I believe they started yelling, um, "FBI is uh, open up the FBI. We have a warrant." And at that moment, I went and got my children, um, who were just absolutely wide-eyed with me. I, we really just didn't know what to do, and because you know, as I expressed already. Um, the Biden administration absolutely supports this type of behavior. I was very concerned. Um, I ushered my kids into their room and I just said, you know, stay here. I do not know what's going to happen. So stay put. And um, my husband began, sorry. It's all right. Well, who wouldn't, I mean, look, who can withstand this without tears? But you know what? I'm going to interject while you compose yourself. I would just say this to you. As a, I was a single mother of a grown teenage boy, and I remember once he said he was, we were having a disagreement pretty strongly, and he was hurting me with his words. And I started crying, and I said to him, don't mistake these tears for weakness. And so, Sharona, oh, gosh. that's what, when you're crying, that's what I want to say to you, that your tears do not mean oh, yeah. weakness. Okay, so, oh, so you put the kids, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> um, I, it's really from anger at this point. Um, yes. I'm just, the more I think about it, the more angry I become and my husband as well, um, that this would be accepted, that this would be considered responsible, um, use of force. It's just unbelievable to me, but we put them in their room, started making our way to the door. My husband had come up from his office and he looked at me and said, okay, we're, it's okay. We go to open the door 
And at that moment, they took a battering ram to my door and busted my door open. Um, from there, they had their guns drawn. And they, um, my husband was standing in front of me, and he had you know, his hands up trying to calm them down. They came to my home very amped up, very excited, very um, ready to do what, what. I don't know what they thought they were going to find or walk into, um, but they were very amped up. And um, at some point, I had my phone in my hand attempting to call our attorney because I really didn't know what to do. I'm not a criminal. I've never been charged with anything in my life. I'm, I'm not violent. This is not an experience I've ever had before or my husband, anyone in my family. And so I was trying to call our attorney and they grabbed my phone from me. So I wasn't able to take pictures. I was unable to record. I was unable to reach out to my attorney or my sheriff. Um, and they proceeded to handcuff me and led me, me and my husband both out of our home, out to the front. My children were still inside. My oldest daughter was downstairs in her room. She began making her way upstairs, came to the door, and just was blown away. We all were just absolutely in shock that this was actually happening. There was probably eight FBI agents. We think that's about right. And a, an investigator from Mesa County and multiple um, police officers from my community, including the police chief, who were out there. I asked repeatedly for them to call the sheriff and bring the sheriff there. They did not do that. Um, I asked to call my attorney. They refused me that as well. Um, they did not show me the warrant until they felt like it. I asked repeatedly to see the warrant. I wanted to know why they were here, what justification they had to be at my home this way, and um, I wasn't given any answers. Um, they proceeded to go into my home, go through my home, photograph every area of my home. My children were still inside. They were not with me. Um, at one point, they came out of their rooms on their own accord and came to the front door because we still weren't inside. And um, so they saw everything. You know, they saw their parents standing out there handcuffed, all of these men with their guns and their scary tactical gear just being crazy. And um, Sharona? Yeah. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll pick up the story. Then I have a lot of questions, a lot of follow-up questions for you about what that was all about. I know you don't know. Thank but you. From your perspective, at least... Uh, what more you saw, because it is good. You've had about a week or a little bit more than a week to think about this, and uh, some things do occur to you that don't, you know, quickly as, as things kind of resonate. So my guest is Shona Bishop, and um, she is uh, she's a homeschool mom who dared to get involved in uh, school board issues and elections, and the FBI raided her home. More about that when we return. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. After the 6th, we had an inauguration on the 20th. So I wanted to ensure, and our office wanted to ensure that there was shock and awe that we could charge as many people as possible before the 20th. And it worked because we saw through media posts that people were afraid to come back to D.C. because they were like, if we go there, we're going to get charged. We wanted to take out those individuals that essentially were thumbing their noses at the, the public for what they did. Yeah, the public for what they did. He's talking about Michael Sherwin was the FBI. He's the still, still the guy in place uh, in D.C. overseeing the January 6th 
uh, visitors to the Capitol when there was uh, a problems, a dust up of varying degrees, fights, and also then Capitol police officers allowing them in, and then we had uh, them surveilling, you know, getting bank rep- records and uh, records of where they had stayed overnight. Uh, their phone records invaded, their privacy completely abused, and then we had the FBI visiting, you know, like grandmothers and older men and uh, doing the same thing as they have done to Sharona Bishop. We saw them label people who were concerned about the election of 2020 as domestic terrorists. And now we have morphed into the Justice Department accusing parents, suggesting, unleashing the Federal Bureau of Investigation on parents involved in school boards. And uh, the other link to this, I think that's interesting, on the January 6th detainees that we've talked about so often, one of the litmus tests for them to get out of jail is that they must change their thinking about the 2020 election. We'll come back to that in a second, but I want to focus now on the FBI. It certainly doesn't take any convincing to people listening that this is exactly what happened to Sharona Bishop and her family about a week ago when the FBI came to their door, knocked it down, all dressed in black, guns drawn, uh, handcuffing Sharona and her husband, uh, and um, and so we'll pick it up at that point. Sharona, did did they take you outside? They they handcuffed you outside, didn't they? Or did they handcuff you inside and then make you go outside? How did that work? No, when we came to the door um, and they busted the door open, we were standing right there and they pulled on my husband, bringing him outside. They grabbed my my phone out of my hand, pulling me outside as well. So they they brought us outside of our home and had us stand there and immediately put me in handcuffs. Um, It was just an, it was a very surreal moment. And I was asking, what is this about? Why are you here? Um, At one, you know, later on, you know, I'm sitting out there in my pajamas and and no shoes on or anything. And they were trying to backpedal for certain and um, inviting us to come back into our home. And I waited outside. Um, I, I can't explain just kind of the feeling of um, no control. There's nothing you can do. You're, you're outgunned, you're outnumbered, you're outpowered. There's literally nothing you can do. You're at the mercy of these people and whatever it is that they think you've done or whatever they think um, authority that they have. And under this current regime, they have unbelievable authority. They're really able to do whatever they want right now. And I think that morning there were, um, so, Part of my um, advocacy is for uh, elected officials who do good things, who do the right thing by the people they serve. And elections have had some very serious consequences in our state. So you mentioned Clerk Peters and my support of her. I'm very vocal. Um, I use my voice. I I speak directly with law enforcement, directly with uh, elected officials, and I take everything that I learn directly back to the people. I'm not interested in having secrets, protecting um, people in those positions of authority. I believe the people need to know and understand what's going on so they can they can do something about it if it's necessary. So I've always been extremely transparent. There was never any reason um, for them to come to me this way. There was never any reason for them to bust my door down. Um, this This is not something that, that anyone had to do in order to get information from me or to me or whatever it is that they, they felt they needed to do. And I think that's what's been so alarming is I was with them 
daily. I was with Mesa County Law Enforcement. Um, I was with the clerk. I, I was there publicly regularly and even going so far as to hold a briefing for them on what we were finding with the Mesa County systems in particular. And all of them were there, including Mark Garland and his DOJ. Um, they had zoomed in and were listening. So, so because I've been so transparent and there's nothing to hide, we really want honesty and we want truth and we want solutions as parents. And um, it's shocking. It's shocking what they ended up doing. And I really can only come to one conclusion, that they did this to intimidate me, to shut me down, and they're going to set a precedent with this. Other parents are not as vocal. They're not as loud. Um, they're, they're still in that phase where it's a big deal to them to come and speak at a school board meeting. You know, we've had, we've had parents be disciplined at work in our area for speaking at a school board meeting on behalf of their children. So for them, that alone is a huge deal. Um, uh, never mind standing up for an elected official who's who's saying, "Hey, um, I don't think the machines are safe for us to be voting on." So um, it's it's just a very interesting time for parents, for Americans in this country. If you're going to be vocal, if you're going to be out there, um, I believe that you're going to see a lot more of this. Oh, absolutely, and I think the bottom line too, Sharana, and that looking at it from a broad perspective is what I try to tell my listeners is that you you cannot run, you cannot hide. Uh, when the left, this is just traditionally the truth when you look at through history and you see when they take over countries and places and peoples, you cannot stay neutral. They demand your obeisance. You must bow at their feet. You can't just stay silent. You have to agree with them or you will be punished. So the, the flames may be licking at your feet now and you may be escaping them, but they will come after you. And the only way to stop this is to fight now. And, uh, and people like you, Sharona, are exampling that. I mean, it's just amazing to me what, how steadfast you have been and what courage you've shown. So I, let me ask, let's get personal, because I think, um, you know, you've got neighbors. I'm sure you've been in that community for, you said you grew up there, but I imagine you've been, knowing just a little taste of who you are now, I bet you have relationships with neighbors and friends. The personal price for this, uh, have you felt shunned, encouraged, supported? What's been the response? The response has been incredible encouragement and support. Um, people know what's going on, and that's, I am just so hopeful that it will motivate and inspire people that you have got to stand up with us. We can't allow just one person to be standing out there alone. We all have to keep coming to the table. We all have to keep speaking out. I was in the grocery store, and the checker said, thank you so much. We're praying for you. Um, I've had nothing but support, nothing, nothing but encouragement. The people know what's going on. The American people are not stupid, and the people in my state, especially because we've been living under these type of um, this type of uh, regime, this craziness for three years in Colorado under Governor Polis, and now that Biden's here, everybody's experiencing what this feels like to have the in Colorado. We just have the Department of Public Health watching your every move, looking for ways to shut your businesses down, and trying to use law enforcement to do it. Um, it's been a really hard three years in Colorado. And um, so we, we all are, we have each other's backs. We know exactly what's going on. And they're not going to be duped into believing that this was handled professionally and responsibly. Uh, no, it wasn't. And for um, the, the district attorney in Mesa County who partnered with the FBI to issue the warrant, he gave a public statement with the attorney general of Colorado. His name is Phil Weiser. They gave a joint statement this past week saying that no brute force was used. Uh, at Clerk Peter's home. 
They refused to acknowledge what they did to me, to my home, to my family. Um, the great people here in Mesa County and in Garfield County and around the state where I live have been calling his, uh, his office, the district attorney's office, to let him know that he owes me a new door. Um, so therefore, they do know that force was used. They do know that they acted irresponsibly and unprofessionally. And um, it's, a, it's amazing to see that they would go that far to lie to the public to cover this up. And that's why it's so important. I, I can't thank you enough for having me on because everybody needs to know what happened. I'm not special. If they're going to come after me, I have somewhat of a base, somewhat of a platform. But what's going to happen with the mom who's just been going to her school board when they come to her home and she has no one to call? She doesn't have someone to reach out to that can help get media connections or something. This is really a critical time for all Americans to be standing up and stand against this. We have yeah, an obligation. Well, I couldn't. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, you're... For me, you're singing to the choir because that's what I've been mm-hmm. preaching for a long time, uh, Sharona. Without going into it, I, uh, you know, I've been involved in uh, school issues for years, and I can tell you that this whole trend in school boards making parents the enemy, hiding things from them, sexualizing children, uh, presenting horrible curriculum has been going curricula has been going on for decades, and I've tried to cover that, but parents didn't want to hear it. They'd always say, "Not in my school. Oh, my school's not like that. We've got." Great. And I, so this is not new. It's just worse. And they're not hiding it anymore. Now they're, ones, they're the ones in power. And so um, I'm just getting another little personal aside. And there's a, I should also tell you, Sharona, my husband is a former FBI agent. So you can't even imagine the anger and grief from a man who used to serve the Bureau on behalf of the American people, loves the country. <clears throat> it's a grief to him and to many other agents who served that agency. So I'm curious if you saw any kind of remorse, anything in any agent's eye, anything, anybody like wishing you thought you can't know, can't be inside a person's mind, but maybe wishing they weren't there doing that? Um, you know, to give them any credit right now, I think would not be wise on my part um, because I intend to fight back. I definitely intend to push back on what just happened to my family. Um, I would say I, I would I would say at one point I asked them, well I asked repeatedly to the different ones that were in my home, um, why are you here? What is it you think you're here doing? And they would just say, just doing my job. And I actually had the book Ordinary Men sitting out. I've read it a second time recently. It's the story of the basic police department, really, just a group of um, police officers who were used as the final solution in mm-hmm. Hitler's. Um, yep you know, his disposal of the Polish Jews. And they were regular men. They were not battle-hardened. They were not war mongers. They were regular men. And um, that's what I thought of in this situation. And at one point, uh, my husband was talking to our children in front of them about what is legal and what is lawful and, um, and about our personal responsibility to do what's right in spite of what we've been told to do. Um, and to be able to make those distinctions. The FBI, then your husband can attest to this, and I've had several messages, uh, two messages now from former FBI agents telling me that um, this type of action is reserved for criminals, for violent criminals, for human traffickers and drug dealers, not for suburban housewives. And, you know, the, the, the charge or the, uh, the warrant, even the way that it read, it's just ridiculous. It was, it was just an opportunity to get into my home to terrorize my family and to use force with me 
so I, and I, I just am at this point, you know, they, they want me to be quiet, stop talking, stop drawing attention to this stuff and sit down and just let us take over this country. And we're not going to have it. We're just not going to do it. So remorse. No, I don't think so. Um, Maybe when they went home that night, they thought about it more. Maybe now that it's hit the national media, maybe they'll think about it more. But every single person has to decide who's in law enforcement, what um, their oath, first of all, that they took to defend my constitutional rights and every person's constitutional rights. And then personally, um, whether or not they can make sense of what they're being ordered to do. And if it violates their conscience and it violates the Constitution, they have to say no. That's right. In fact, that's part of the military code of, uh, I think, justice, is that if you're a soldier, you of course you have to obey orders, but you don't have to obey an unlawful order. And so, I, I mean, it's a principle. I'm sure I'm not saying it applies to the FBI. I don't know. But you've got it totally right. It reminds me of, uh, you know, Simon Wiesenthal wrote an interesting book called The Sunflower. It's uh, on the possibilities of li- the limits of forgiveness. And he was a Jew during the in a concentration camp. And It's a fascinating story, but one of the things that he says as he's telling his story is that in the camps, it wasn't like the mean-looking, rough, tough, street gang criminals Mm -hmm. who were the prison guards or the ones beating Mm -hmm. people. It was like the bus driver that you remember. It was the teacher that you saw in school. It was the clerk you know, at the counter in a store you used to shop. It was, it, just to, to your point, ordinary people who did those horrible things to their neighbors. And it's just, it's, uh, we've never seen that. We've never seen that, but now we are seeing it. I, I think we saw it with COVID, Shrona, that, that um, people punishing each other, and, um, and if they would be, they would snitch. If there were an authority to snitch to, they'd be glad to do it. You know, you could just see it. It's like, mm-hmm. I just can't even explain it. There must be some word for it, but I don't know what it is. Depravity, well, it's maybe. A, it, it is depravity, and it's our nature. It is definitely our sin nature. Um, we have to fight against that. We have to fight against fear. We have to fight against um, grouping ourselves just because we feel a little bit more powerful. Um, that that road of being humble, of being thoughtful, of having consideration before we act, that takes skill. That takes practice. Following orders doesn't take any kind of practice. And this country, for better or worse, the last two years have conditioned people to just obey and to submit. And whether it's our law enforcement who are doing it in Colorado at one point, we had law enforcement arresting fathers, um, a dad in particular who had been at the playground with his daughter, you know, arresting him, putting him in the car and taking him to jail. We're not going to forget that these things happened. And right now we're moving into, I think, the second phase of this conditioning where our law enforcement is going to be willing um, to go after regular, ordinary people like me who said the wrong thing. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's happening constantly, constantly. I'm talking about these stories uh, more and more. Sharona Bishop is our guest. And when we return, Tina Peters, who is the Mesa County elections clerk, will join us to tell her dramatic story uh, when we return. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. The conspiracy theorist, who also happens to be Mesa County's chief elections official, had her home raided by the FBI today. Tina Peters is facing multiple investigations after internal scans of her voting equipment were turned over to right-wing election rigging conspiracy types. Our partners at Colorado Politics were the first to report on the law enforcement searches of Peters' home, along with those of three of her associates. Peters has been removed from her election-running duties. Former Te- Secretary of State Republican Wayne Williams and Mesa County's Republican Treasurer Sheila Reiner are splitting the election duties in Mesa County for now. They're the ones who ran the November election. The voting machines involved in the security breach have since been replaced. That was News 9, KUSA in Colorado. And you can see for yourself, you can hear for yourself the objective news reporting that's taking place around this situation with Tina Peters and Sharona Bishop and the others that were invaded by the FBI last week. Uh, Tina is the Mason County election clerk. She was elected in 2017. You need to know that Tina is a gold star mom. She lost her son a few years ago. She's also a cancer survivor. Uh, she's a, a warrior and a fighter, and so she took this position, and this was uh, right before the 2020 election. We all know what happened with that, and so Tina joins us this morning to, t- to sort of discuss what's going on with her. Tina, thanks for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Sandy. Thank you so much for for having me on so that I can share some of the things that are going on with regular people like myself, elect, uh, you know, just elect as an elected official, but also as a citizen, uh, 66-year-old woman. (laughs) Tina, let's let's talk about, um, the first time I heard, I didn't actually hear your name, the first time I knew of you was when I was watching Mike Lindell's uh, symposium, his major symposium that went on for several days, uh, giving all the information about what happened in the 2020 election. And uh, then he mentioned that he was very flustered, and he mentioned that some woman from Colorado was trying to come in, and she had been stopped, and he was very worried. And and turns out it was Tina Peters. It was you. Uh, what was that all about? Can you say? You know, uh, I I my constituents kept coming to me, talk, telling me about election irregularities, and at first I was. Uh, real, I was very resistant to it because we had been told as uh, in my position as clerks in the state of Colorado that there was nothing wrong, uh, that our computer, uh, that our election computer systems were what they call air-gapped. Uh, if they didn't connect to the Internet, there was no way to, uh, to hack them or, you know, they were completely secure. As a matter of fact, they called... The and they still call the the Colorado election systems the gold star standard of the U.S. And but as more and more people kept coming to me and bringing me evidence of irregularities, I I told them I said if there's something there, uh, we'll find it. And um, I was concerned because there was an update that the Secretary of State and Dominion Voting Systems was doing all across the state, and they were coming to my county. And I was concerned because they were going to delete, uh, what I understood, they were going to delete a QR code. And 
I was questioning, Sandy, if they did this, how would I be able to, if I ever needed to, uh, do a audit of the 2020 election? Uh, so I took steps to protect my data, which is my uh, constitutional uh, uh, right. I mean, I take an oath with the uh, Colorado Constitution and the United States Constitution uh, to protect uh, my election data that belongs to the people that elected me. And in Colorado, it is 25 months that you have to keep this election uh, data and in uh, in the United States, it's it's 22 months, and so that's what I did. I I uh, prepared to back up uh, the system so that anything that was not supposed to be erased would be preserved. Okay, so you did that, and uh, so I'm assuming at some point you weren't neutral anymore on there being problems. I mean, are you still neutral on that? And you're just, no one's really looked at it, or have people now looked at it and determined there really was a problem in 2020? There are serious problems, and I had no idea uh, how, how many problems that this equipment is, uh, you know, for uh, uh, insecurity, and I mean, it's, it's just, it's over the top. I, I can't unsee what I've seen. You know, I want to give people, I want to give just a, I, just this past week, just this past few days, uh, because I've, I follow election integrity as much as I can, Tina. A lot of the people that you know are friends of mine, but this is news just from this week. A whistleblower in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, is breaking with evidence of destruction of election, election data and equipment. Wisconsin investigation uncovers potential tip of a voting fraud iceberg. And then also in Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Senate Committee subpoenas absentee ballots and voting machine records from the city of Madison for the 2020 election. This is out of Pennsylvania. Republicans of Pennsylvania Senate identify a group that they're going to hire to perform a forensic audit of the 2020 elections. And then Georgia is now suing the Zuckerbergs for 5.6 uh, for transparency over that big donation he made in the 2020 election. The 2020 election is still very much in the works for people that are paying attention. Tina, you're not a, you're not a right wing uh, crazy. This is really mainstream truth that there was a problem. To what degree and with what and how you quantify all of that? That's the that's the, the um, that's the hurdle, but it's certainly not a big lie they, that they keep telling us about. So can you tell – but seriously, about that, Lindell, you flew to that symposium and you were going to present. Can you say what happened? Because if you can't, that's fine. But I just was curious. I always wondered what happened. Right. Well, I, uh, I was going to, to learn more information about election security. Actually, it was, it was at the last minute when, uh, when I decided to go. And there were a group of people going, and so I thought, well, the, the more I can learn about what's going on and become well-informed, and that was, that was really my goal, was to go, become informed, uh, listen to what other people had to say. I had no idea that, uh, what was going to happen next. Okay, so, um, all right, so there were, tr- there were trouble, and I think Mike Lindell ended up uh, helping you get security. They, they, some something happened to you, and then that takes us. Then that's when I first heard about you, Tina. And so then there was mm-hmm. a support, uh, an effort to support you, and I joined that effort because I was very concerned about you. Uh, it's a stand with Tina, 
Uh, and we're going to get to that in just a yeah. second. But it's standwithtina.org, and you can, you're going to find out in a few minutes how bad this has gotten. Standwithtina.org is the website. And by the way, in regard to Sharona Bishop, who was just with us, her website also found uh, um, americamom.net is a place where you can go and find out about what she's doing and how to help her. So standwithtina.org. Now, Tina, a week ago or so then, um, Sharona just told us about the FBI coming to her house uh, but she, uh, she was in the crosshairs for a couple of reasons, but one of the big reasons was because she was such a strong defender of you. So what happened to you on, I don't know if it was at the same day. Did they raid bo- both of your houses on the same day? They did. They raided four of our houses on the same day. It was a coordinated effort uh, by the FBI and the, D- uh, the uh, uh, United States Attorney General Merrick Garland and all the Soros funded people. The Secretary of State uh, is funded by, by uh, Soros, and um, it was a coordinated effort to uh, raid all of our homes at the same time. So on November 16th, the FBI raided my home, Sharona's, and two others simultaneously. And while my door was not breached, as I've said in every interview, in spite of the DA and Colorado Attorney General accusing me of lying and saying it was, uh, it, I do feel the FBI used as, uh, used unnecessary excessive force and tactics to enter Sharona's home, especially since we are all law abiding citizens and there were small children present. Yes. Um, and at any right. time, Sandy, law enforcement could have asked me or my attorneys, Sharona and the others, for the items they wanted, as we've all been available and posed no threat. What do you think they were looking? Okay, tell me. Let, tell us about the when they came to your home. How did that play out? What happened? Well, um, it was. Uh, I'm a 66 year old woman, a cancer survivor. You know, you mentioned that I lost my Navy SEAL son four years ago, and I live alone. And so you can imagine how traumatized it was to hear the FBI's forceful, deafening knocks at the break of dawn. And this is said quote. FBI, federal search warrant, come to the door, and then more forceful loud docs, and then the FBI, police, federal search warrant, and then to endure from 6.34 a.m. until 11.55 a.m., sitting in a chair in my living room while they went through every inch of my 1,800-square-foot home. And, and it, was, it was terrifying. Do you think in your case that they were looking specifically for uh, whatever copies or security measures you'd taken to make sure that QR code was saved? Or do you think they were just trying to intimidate you? Oh, I think they, I, I think it's to intimidate me. I think that uh, they are looking for something to frame me and, and uh, others like me. I don't think they had anything unless they've planted something they they didn't have anything. I was just looking to back up our uh, our systems uh, to protect something like this. So I I have to ask myself, what are they afraid of? I mean, that night after they left and and I went and I went into my garage, I fell to my knees weeping when I discovered they had ransacked a box of my late son's Navy accident report contents, <sighs> including graphic photos of his body after his death and other artifacts on his body when he was discovered that I have not opened 
ever since, Sandy, the day I received them four years ago. It was like opening an excruciating, painful wound all over again. Uh, and my son served many tours in Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, serving a, a country that would do this to his gold star mom. This is not something I ever thought or believed as a law-abiding citizen, a Christian, and a public servant to the people of my country could be possible, Sandy. Well, I'm, I'm sort of speechless, to be honest with you. What was your son's name, Tina? Remington Jordan Peters. Oh, my goodness. You know, <laughs> he was 27 years old, Sandy. And, you know, something like this happens in other countries. But not in the U.S., right? For this to happen to ordinary citizens, to me or anyone that I know and associated with, is unbelievable. And, um, you know, I've never, I, I have a perfect driving record. I don't have any, uh, any, I've never been arrested, never had anything like this happen to me. Um, you know, and as the elected clerk in my county of Mesa County, I took an oath like I said, to the state and U.S. Constitution and to the people who elected me to fulfill my duties, including protect vital election records from erasure by the George Soros-funded Secretary of State Jenna Griswold on Dominion voting systems. Hmm. And, um, you know, I, instead, I was removed and replaced by her to run this past election in an unprecedented action where a state-elected official removed a county official elected by the citizens. Sandy, my employees have been harassed. They've been threatened and fired. And, um, you know, I just, I say, what are the, what's the, dec- uh, the Democrat Secretary of State, the U.S. Attorney General, and others so afraid of? What are they trying to hide? There must be something. And, you know, forensic reports are coming out. Uh, one forensic report is already out and it's on the website that was set up to support me. It's um, at standwithtina.org and people can go on there and look at that report. Sandy, there were 29,000 election records erased, deleted from the people of of Mesa County's election system. 29,000 and they're, and by law, like I said before, they're supposed to be kept for 25 months. Tina, we are out of time. Uh, I can't stand this, but uh, okay. It's standwithtina.org. She's being charged with several things, and we, we didn't even get to that. But it's uh, in reading the, the articles and hearing the news reports, the, the vitriol and the twisting is just evident. So Tina needs your help. Standwithtina.org. I hope you'll go there and follow this story, and we'll follow it with Tina as well. And meanwhile, pray for her and for Sharona and the other two who were invaded and all those good people in Colorado who are fighting the good fight. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.